Do it. One of those to start things. So, uh, how are we doing, sir? Doing well. Doing well. Another day down. Uh, I was having this conversation with, uh, almost on a daily, because I, I have a day job in, uh, in marketing, advertising, like creative consultancy, and just talking about how our days seem to be disappearing. Now we look at it and seven, eight months later and we're still here doing the same thing. So that's, that's how I'm doing. <laughs> right. So um, I looked through your Instagram a little bit and I've been following you for about a year now. Um, I think the first thing I actually bought from you was uh, your, uh, your, uh, um, was it the cease and desist uh, Chewbacca? Oh, yeah, exactly. You have the cease and desist or the, the Oh okay. yeah. Cause he, yeah, that was the, the thing that, that, you know, started the whole, uh, the, the straight yellow, no name or, you know, generic branded, uh, figures. And then, well, this one has like the letter on the background. Yeah. It's a plastic, you so know, I, I done the, the carded versions and, uh, that was my first release, right? That, that was the first 12 figures that, uh, released. Yeah. and I did an addition of, of eight per figure. So 12 and eight, and that was 96 figures that I, I released carded. And they went pretty fast within, you know, a couple of months because um, nobody really knew who I was anyway. So, you know, who's, the, who's this guy kind of entering the scene? But then the, the, I tried to keep the price point right, but it still seemed to be a little Sorry. bit higher. It was twenty nine ninety seven, you know, so it seemed... That's low in the... Right? Yeah. But it's like, I want, to, I want to clear them out. You know, I've talked to a lot of people right. and just like, price it a little bit lower, clear stuff out. Like, you want to sell out of stuff. You don't want to sit on inventory because... You know that that does me no good to to have money all tied yeah. up. So then uh, I think there was like a little toy meetup uh, that we did locally, and you know some people aren't collecting carded figures; they they prefer bags. You know it kind of is a little bit more true. It's a yeah, it's a hit and miss. You know, so <laughs> I done some quickly. You know, using the same the same graphic and just put them in little bags with little little uh, cards inserted, and those did really well for for about a year, and you know sold dozens and dozens probably you know again cast probably another hundred figures out of those molds and then that cease and desist like the the interest just petered off like completely right huh. and this is a year year and a half after the fact so it's like that, that's fair. Yeah. like i think everybody got their fill of it right and right. then i got that cease and desist and i still had a lot of uh i just used the inkjet here for those so i still had a lot of that artwork I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't throw that stuff away. So I just ran them back through the printer with that, that letter on it. Right. And, uh, they, they were not happy that I had done that either, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's good. It was a good talking piece for a lot of time. Cause when I do a show, I would set up a little stand that was kind of, you know, like a, that you'd see that legal warning, you know, of course, somebody wants to come by and right, right. figure and see what the deal is, and they get a good laugh. And I, I was selling those baggied figures for, like, you know, ten dollars, I think. So it's just like, yeah, okay, great, I'll, I'll grab one just yeah. for the giggles. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, there's there's like two or three generic, but we have that same problem with you know chain huge chain store grocery stores that basically all have that same logo, you know, throughout all their stores. So I'm sure. You know, I'm not saying that it would be any better on this side of the the border, but uh, you know, you'd you'd run across well, that same thing. States, but I think there's definitely like there's, a lot more leeway when it comes to like parody laws and you know things that are create or mm -hmm. uh, you know built to be creative. And 
you know, that, that one toy dealer that I've, I've been working through right now, you know, he's, he's not a lawyer, but he's kind of given some guidance. Like as long as you're, you know, you're, you're numbering them, you're signing them. Like you start to kind of bypass the, you know, I'm not trying to pass this off. Right. Cause now it's a piece exactly. of art. So, you know, yeah. I've, I've made it pretty consistent when I'm stepping on, you know, maybe somebody else's intellectual property to try to make sure people understand that it's, it's a piece of art and I'm not passing it off as a, you know, something that you're going right. to see on their shelves. You know, I'm not, I'm, I, I definitely respect obvious plant when he, he does his, you know, uh, he, he does his drops in store, but again, you see it's, it's his brand. And if you know what you're looking for, it is what it is. So. Right. Yeah, just go to Kid Robot. You know, they'll, they'll yeah, put exactly. out 50 billion of them. <laughs> yeah, too true. So uh, I've been to the uh, east side of the states, and I've been up to uh, our illustrious uh, um, Niagara Falls on the American side. But as far as Canada, that's the furthest north I've been at all, or furthest right. east, I should say, I've been at all. What's the Toronto I toy scene it's, like? It's if if I were to say, I think it's the largest probably in Canada, considering um, I started a, a side project of um, creating kind of a directory for Canadian uh, toy maker, resin makers, resin artists, um, toy stores, suppliers, to try to understand what this community is looking like. Um, so I started uh, with with another uh, partner, Modulicious, um, this um group i guess called uh, toy north so i'm starting to see little pockets pop up toronto and you know just around toronto which you know is quite far south into the state so i don't know if that's you know that kind of has gotten that influence of the new york scene or you know um michigan right, or anything right. like that <clears throat> but um like yeah eight nine ten twelve people that i know offhand that, that are doing it kind of in our community. And there's got to be more. I think there's, you know, it's growing consistently. I, yeah. I found, you know, as soon as I started that group, um, that in Alberta, there was, the, there were two, three or four random uh, makers that then discovered each other because of, of that, you know, directory. But you start right, moving right. somewhere else. And just duck yeah. loose fat yeah, and seriously. Uh, polar bears. Yeah. <laughs> It, it seems like it's growing. And, you know, interestingly enough, like, you know, as, as I pay more attention to the, the toy shows that come up, you start to see, you know, a lot of South America, a lot of Asia, a lot of, uh, you know, other parts of Europe, you know, just like fantastic stuff that's happening. I think yeah. that. Not no just legit, Mexican bootlegs, yeah. but actual like produced yeah, legit, Like really quality <laughs> stuff. And, you know, I, I have a yeah. soft spot for the bootleg stuff, but, you know, the handmade like you can't even call them bootlegs. Like there's, they're just a different thing. You know, I think, you know, bootlegging something, you know, was always get it done as cheaply, quickly, you know, as crudely as possible. Right. But, you know, even though the processes are still kind of similar, I think what people are, are making just like on another level, you know? So I've had right. the conversation. Yeah, there's, there's definitely, um, I've been a little bit more in tune with some of the Asian markets and stuff like that, as far as stuff coming from them and just some amazing mm. art toy stuff. But the problem is it's, it's so pricing. It's such limited runs that it's just, it's completely out of where I've been as far as, you know, been able to afford, but it I is know. some beautiful stuff. I know, and that's the challenge. My, one of my 
biggest problems is pricing my work. Like I, I know what my time is worth, yeah. you know, as a, as a freelance contract worker in my, you know, my day-to-day job that doesn't translate to what I can charge, you know, in, in this world. Yeah. So it's like, if I can cover my materials and donate my time, because really, you know, the time that I'm putting into it is the, the creative fulfillment that I'm getting out of it. Right. So I kind of write that part right. off. Right. And, um, I mean, the other part is, is if I'm going to start casting and packaging, I try to make a run large enough where it can sustain me for a period of time, right? Like I don't have to be doing it on a weekly basis. I don't have to constantly be, right, you right. know, uh, pouring resin or, or doing something. I mean, the downside of that is you're always going to get, you know, the, you know, the people that have been following you, the, the 10, 15, 20 people that need to get it on release day. And then if it was a run of 50, you're sitting on, you know, 20 to 30 other pieces, which is a good problem to have with inventory, you know, as I do shows and I'm always struggling to get inventory levels. Have something to put out. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's, yeah, pricing, pricing has always been weird. And I'm in the same camp of, you know, I was saying to somebody uh, the other day that bought some stuff, it's like, I feel like I'm the, the rule of the drug dealer isn't supposed to do their own product, right? They, they aren't supposed to be the user also. <laughs> I probably spend, I right. spend way more on toys than, you know, I sell. So it's, it's definitely a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I haven't gotten into the, the making. I've been uh, getting into the process a lot more than the making of, um, which is usually my downfall. So, but that's why I started this podcast because the world, that world of that, or that community, I should say, is, is always impressed me with how much they do help each other out, how much they do, you know, try to promote each other's stuff. And realistically, like pretty much I've like, when I first started sending out emails for interviews, I would say 90% of people were like, yeah, let's do this. When can we do this? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So it's, it's been nice for me just not even really being in the world technically, but being like that invited into it. Yeah. And that's, been that's really a nice. good point too. Like I, I don't know anybody specifically that's organically kind of fallen into this and been self-taught from, you know, start to finish, like from entry in to, right. you know, being completely successful I think, you know, on some level, you know, there's always been the questions. There's always been the asking. There's, you know, obviously you need to build a bit of a, a relationship with somebody. Um, I call it like information vampires, you know, people that just will constantly ask you the the information, the, the tips, the secrets, the, the materials, but they offer nothing back. You know, it's like, I don't need you to buy my toys, right. but on some level, I need the interaction. Like, it's either liking or or subscribing or, you know, what are those things that you can somehow repay? And, you know, it's, it's, you have to also share that information. Like you can't, you can't take it from somebody and hold it to yourself. Like the requirement is you have to pass it on. So, you know, I definitely haven't gotten to where I am on my own. Like I, I I am good with research. I am good with, you know, kind of uh, troubleshooting but there's always those unique, you know, problems and situations that you kind of encounter. And I'm looking at some of the toys here and are just like that have, have stumped me, you know? So it's like, you kind of sit on them for a bit until you see somebody else that's kind of, you know, surpassed or gone past that challenge. Right. And you're like, 
how, like what, right. what is the material? What was the trick? You know, and, and my experience has been, everybody has been super open about, you know, well, I use this glue or I use this resin or, you know, um, I, I get things printed over here, like whatever it is. I don't think there's anybody that's, that's put up a wall and just like, go after yourself, you know, like that's, I, I really yeah. don't see it. Like, and I mean, if you're that worried about your ideas or, you know, a technique, nothing is proprietary. Like, what are we doing? We're right. We're making fun of somebody yeah, else's art. You know, like to I, I totally it's... understand if you don't want to divulge, you know, a, you know, a, a body cast or, you know, the source material that you you're using, but I mean, right it's out there somewhere and it's like, yeah, it's great. If, if you have like a pretty specific thing and it's doing really well for you, I think I was watching, uh, it was I think an interview between uh, Dove, Dove Kelmer and uh, Killer Bootlegs and Killer Bootlegs had said he wanted to put out a recipe for, I think it was Phantom Star Killer or Draco Knuckle Duster. And Dove's like, oh, right. don't you dare, like don't reveal where those parts come from. Like people can start to kind of guess where things, but there might be, yeah. you know, those things that make it special that, you know, it's like, yeah, that, that's your secret sauce. You don't want to give that stuff away, but you know. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us are such nerds anyways, that a lot of that stuff we can just kind of just by eye, like, Oh, that's Darth Vader's arm yeah. with uh, four lombs. And, body and that's the and... Thing. I think people are looking for shortcuts. Right. And it's like, how'd you do that? How'd you get to that? And it's yeah. like, man, like involve yourself a little bit more. Like, and get to know right. the, the parts like start make that your daily challenge of like starting to identify where where things yeah. are coming from and you might even be surprised that a lot of it is original sculpts i mean with you know uh whether it's yeah. you know, classic materials like clay and sculpey or you know 3d modeling and printing like i think more and more people are starting to you know kind of walk away from the straight bootleg or you know kit bashing and it's like how can right. i do something that's a little bit more original to myself you know so yeah so let's go to actually how did you get your start as far as with arts oh, and stuff i mean it's that typical you know you're a kid and you start drawing and and somebody's like you need to go to art school you need to be a designer and it's like it, it's literally that right like uh i think because i didn't have a lot of toys growing up so it was always coloring books it was always you know uh tracing things and I mean, on some level, taking things apart, like gave me a, a remote control car. I couldn't afford the batteries, you know, back in the, you know, 80s to get batteries for a remote control car that took nine or 12 oh, things. Yeah. And just like, I can't right. afford that. So it's like, let me take this thing apart and see, you know, what makes it work. So that that was kind of my entry into kind of, you know, a little bit of creativity and a little bit of hands on. And then, uh, you know, some, I did go to art school. Uh, it was called uh, OCA here in, in Toronto, Ontario College of Arts. It's OCAD now. It's a, it's a university. Um, failed horribly out of that because it, it was less about, in my opinion, less about like art, like there, there's art involved, but then it's like you had to write yeah. a thesis or you had to write, it's like, I, I don't like, I yeah. got through high school with never having to do any of that you know? Right. Um, and then, you know, uh, that, that was, yeah, early twenties. I, I took, uh, I think 10 years off and, you know, worked at a gas station just to pay the bills. So I was, you know, pump gas. I was a gas station manager. And then, you know, I think it was late twenties, early thirties. I decided to go back to, to school for design. You know, I did a, a one year program mm -hmm. just to see, you know, it was, I think yeah. an art fundamentals program at a, at a local college. 
Yeah. And it gave you sculpture. It gave yeah, you, just, you started learning like kind of, you know, you dabbled in a bunch of stuff. It was fine art and, you know, sculptural and, uh, you know, there was some computer stuff in there. And the one thing that I excelled at was, was graphic design or they called it 2D design. So then I took a three-year program in, in graphic design. Uh, and, you know, again, now I'm a mature student. I'm in my 30s and graduating, <laughs> you know, kind of at that point. Um, you know, so that's kind of been my life in the last, you know, 10, 15 years is being in advertising uh, design. But, you know, along the lines kind of lost that, that um, I thought it would be more creative than it actually was, you know. Because there, there's so many restrictions to what you can and can't do. You have somebody else telling you how to be creative. Yeah. You have somebody telling you what you can draw. Yeah. You know, and nobody wants, really wants that. So it, it took me, no. it took me, uh, you know, getting laid off. It, this is back in 2009 when, you know, the I think the housing market and mortgage market in the states was crashing, and it had the trickle yeah, effect over here. So I got laid off yeah. then, and that was the time that I had to reassess, you know, what I want to do and there was a, a creative director that kind of, you know, helped me put a portfolio together. And he's just like, you know, show people the work that you want to produce, like stop showing them the annual reports or the, you know, the uh, PowerPoint templates. Like if, if that's the stuff you want to do, then, then show it to them. But if that's not, so I pulled out all my college work again. And it's just like, it was uh, a miniature Pac-Man arcade machine that the back slid off and it had a watch and it was supposed to be, you know, like a 25th anniversary, you know, a fossil uh watch and a promo yeah. um, right, right. so things like that things that were were dimensional things that were you know not your traditional um advertising or, or graphic design but there was always a design element to it so you know that kind of got me to where i was you know uh, mid mid 30s i guess uh, packaging design is a big a big industry that a lot yeah. of people kind of look over but it's and, 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 and that's the thing. It's like I had the opportunity also to get strictly into packaging design. And I just I, right. I felt in general, it's like it didn't matter if I ended up in, in advertising or a graphic design agency or a, a package right. design uh, firm or whatever. I feel like I would have always struggled. I needed that other outlet. And I've had the conversation with, with you know, like younger college students that are in, entering the industry and just like, they, they think that day job, and for some people it will, they think it's going to be that creative fulfillment for them, right? And a lot of times it isn't. And then they get down, they're, they're depressed, they, they're just like, what am I doing with my life? And it's like, you need another outlet. You need that thing when you go yeah. home that you have complete control over. You execute it the way, and it could be right. a craft, it could be knitting, it could be meditation, it could be whatever it is. But you need to channel that energy into something else. So that's that's where I was in I think 20, 2017, 2018, when I started thinking about okay. thinking about these guys is, you know, but I say that, but but I've always I've made it a rule that at least two or three times a year, I always take a course or a class in something completely random. Taxidermy, oh, blacksmithing. Uh, yeah. I, I did some uh, English longbows, uh, hand carving English longbows, uh, uh, fletching arrows, um, cross stitching, oh, wow. sewing. So it's just like always trying to find some like how can I how can I introduce some of those skills or some of those processes into what I'm yeah. doing, right? Yeah. And I think that's probably my 
Because even if it's not physically there, mentally you can use parts of it. You know, part of it is the yeah. the the troubleshooting process of like how do I think about this in a different right. way, and the other part is exactly that is you know is there anything here that can influence my work? You know, okay, blacksmithing probably not a whole lot, but you know when it comes, I, I started uh, casting um, some some low melt metals pewter. Um, so it's not blacksmithing, but it's it's a different material, and there aren't a whole lot of toy makers that are casting right. in, in pewter. So, you know, I, I have some ideas. Don't have anybody else cast pewter figures. But, um, no, I, I think I've seen some people. I go for lead. Lead is always a. Let's gonna make a comeback this school, year. I yeah. think. You know, old lead toys. Yeah, and make sure that it's got lead paint on it too. Yeah, and go full out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's I think you know how do I. How do I just, you know, spark and it's, it helps me creatively. And I think it just like, sometimes it bogs me down because I am surrounded by, you know, whether it's equipment or materials you know, it's like, I love doing the research part sometimes. And sometimes that scratches that itch of like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. But now I have a, you know, a 24 inch wide vinyl cutter in the basement that I use once or twice a year because I'm, <laughs> I'm making a t-shirt or, you know, a stencil for something, but, yeah. um, I mean, I don't know. That's a good problem to have, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any uh, projects from like when you were a kid that you still use as inspiration? No, or not like a whole lot. Need to get out of the attic no, and mom's house? Uh, no, not really. I mean, again, like a lot of that stuff just doesn't exist. Um, like it, it didn't, it didn't either. It wasn't created. It didn't survive. And I kind of regret, you know, those parents that kind of kept that box you know, kind of tucked away under the stairs. Yeah. I don't think there really is any of that. I think it all got, you know, binned long ago. But the one thing that stuck with me for, for years and years is, you know, those, um, you know, 101, 501 electronics kits, you know, you know, you jumper oh, cables yeah. and it's like you follow the schematic right, right. and, you know, and, you know, you hopefully yeah. get to the end where it's like you press a button or turn a knob oh. and, you know, you hear the radio. Yeah. And a lot of times it didn't work. It was like writing, uh, I don't know if ever you wrote um, like Commodore 64, like basic code or something. You know, you write hundreds of lines of code and then you go to execute it and it's just like syntax error. You're like, where is it? Like you have to like trouble. So anyways, yeah, those electronic kits, it's something I'm interested in and I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. I have some ideas of what I want to do with it. Um, but I, I have a couple that I've, I've been keeping in the basement once, uh, once I think maybe. Yeah. I, I, uh, we moved a lot and, growing yeah, up every so three I, years. So it's just like, yeah, every yeah, three years, new town, new city, new exactly. neighborhood. It was just like, which always meant new school, new friends. Yeah. So it's like toys kind of always, you know, kind of got left behind. Yeah. It's, so it's like, it's kind of just, yeah. you know, me, it was like usually just poking around in the dirt, you know, going, there was always some kind of like yeah. wooded area. So it's like, you're kind of, you know, kind of trudging through the woods or doing something. Um, and then, yeah. I didn't keep any of your drawings. I didn't keep any, you know, I think that's what I'd be more interested yeah. in. And I think that's kind of like where, you know, this, this kind of stuff, you know, started coming out is I'm really, really into how kids draw these days, you know, as, uh, as I find uh, people that are producing that kind of stuff. So I, Mark Todd, um, I don't know if you're familiar with, like he's he's an illustrator slash artist that's kind of been coaxed into making some toys. Like I've I've been collecting some of his stuff because it just has that, you know, it's an adult doing it. 
but he hides it so well. You know, it, it is, you know, and, you know, again, coming from the advertising field where it's like we've tried to mimic, you know, in some campaigns, like, oh, there'll be a kid's drawing on the table. And it's like, oh, we'll just, you know, well, you can't recreate you can't it. Recreate There's that. something that just like it's so forced no. and contrived that, you know, a kid would have never done that. So, you know, when I right. see stuff where it's just like, I have to question, like, how old was this person? You know, and that's that's yeah. the stuff I'm I'm truly attracted to right now. There was um, Victor's Vintage. I think he's uh, trying to think. He's definitely overseas. Things like I don't know the the nether regions of of overseas. Um, his daughter did a, a cute killer robot, and it was it was I think influenced by Mandalorian. But it's got like a janky C-3PO right. head and a weird arm and the, the colors all mismatched. And, nice. you know, on the card back, it's uh, it's the dino tape, but the kind of the, the, the thermal version oh, of right, it, right. you know, just says cute killer yeah, robot. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You know, it's just like he posted it on Instagram. And I'm like, how do I buy this? And he's like, are you serious? You want this thing? Yeah. I'm like, man, like, I freaking love that thing. Like my daughter would be thrilled. Like yeah. he, So he was he was willing to sell it yeah. to me. I need this yeah, in my it's just, life. It's so simple. It's so there's you're not hiding anything, you know. It's not. And I had this right. conversation with uh, with somebody about you know where where's the toy industry like this this handmade industry going? Because like it, people are getting better with the processes. Like you can't see the seam lines, you know. There's full articulation, not yeah. even magnetic. Um, the paint application right, right. is perfect. So it's like you're you're gonna hit a level where it's like yeah it, it's you know shelf ready you, you can put it in a big box store and it's like yeah i don't know i think it's missing it, you know back to the roots of like those mexican bootlegs i think there was something kind of charming yeah. about those things you know it's yeah it's, beautiful. You know, if i think back to like one of the first toys that i was really disappointed with when when i was a kid was you know i think it was probably when you know star wars was was big maybe not the original one this probably more jedi but fantasy figures and He-Mans and things started becoming popular. And I got this, uh, the, the company was Arco. And it was just like these off-brand, like, I think they're bendy, kind of like the rubber with the wire inside. And I was just like, man, this right. stuff is garbage. Like, it's trying to be He-Man. It's trying to be this other thing, Dungeons and Dragons, maybe. That stuff's super yeah. expensive right now. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I yeah. hated it. I yeah. hated what it stood for. But now I regret ever, you know, letting it go. Right. Yeah, I think it was one of those those toys where your your parent would bring you home what they thought was the thing, or maybe it yep. was the cheaper version, and that's all they could afford. That was that was usually with my cases. Like, mom was like, "Well, what's over here in the clearance bin?" You know, kind of stuff. And as a kid, you're just like, "Well, none of my friends play with yep. that. I can't play with it." Whereas now all these collectors are looking for all those one-off He-Mans and those oh, one-off, you know. Mocked. I remember it was another birthday where my aunt took me to uh, the department store and she's like, oh, you can have, you know, it's a, oh, I forget what limit and might've been $10, might've been $20, um, you know, buy, buy right. yourself a toy. And it's like, I was instantly in the Transformers aisle and she couldn't afford any of that. She's like, <laughs> no, not that. And she pulled me yeah. over to the GoBots and I was like, how do I tell her I don't want any of this? Ugh. But now GoBots are, yeah. are the things that I love because they're so simple. They're, you know, right. they're almost very geometric. I, I hate that Transformers, especially I think it was the Michael Bay movies. It's just like, what am I looking at? You know, it's just like none of this yeah. 
none of this is appealing. Like I, I want, you know, rectangular right, legs. Right. I want a, a rectangle for a body, you know, like uh, Tom Hanks in, in Big with the skyscraper that turns into a robot. Like, I want that thing. Right, right. <laughs> you know, now I wouldn't have wanted it then, obviously. But yeah, that's that's yeah. Uh, that's my fascination now is like, how rudimentary, how simple can you get a figure, but it still kind of evokes a feeling or, uh, you know, you, you know that there yeah. was some, some skill behind it. Um, you know, like green, green plastic tunnels, uh, like, Oh man, like who, I don't yeah. see anybody else really doing what he does, you know? No. And at this point, like, I love his stuff, but I would hate to just like pull from it because it's, it's, it would obviously be stealing yeah. a beautiful and, idea. And that's, again, one of those, I think, pure ideas that nobody else is really doing. And that if you tried, if you didn't alter it and make it your own on some level, and I don't even know what that is, like, you're just going to be shot down. Right. I, I just feel like, you know, it's probably, yeah. you know, when the Suck Lord started and people were looking at killer bootlegs, you know, like, you're just ripping off that guy. And just like... Yeah, right, right. maybe, but I mean, they're both dealing with action figures, right? Like they, they exist. The stuff that green yeah. plastic tunnels does, like I don't know where it's that. Art. Yeah, it's one hundred percent art. Is, is it? You know, yeah. is there a reference that's dimensional and, and lifelike that's just like he's simplifying it down, or you know, it's yeah. I think I read somewhere that his his dad worked for like Kenner, yeah. like one of the big, you know, yeah. well, he one was of the big three. I think he's posted a and few so, times, like the Dagobah playset. I think he has his name yeah. uh, etched into it. You know, there's, there's like yeah, a, a lot like of that, hidden, yeah. you know, whether they put the kids' names in there, it's like they hide it kind of under the right, paint right. job, but it, it's definitely there. Um, I think he sculpted, uh, his, his dad sculpted um, Healy Maid's uh, Glyos figure with the, the hooded. So he got, oh, he yeah, got his yeah. dad to, uh, I guess, commissioned him to, to do that sculpt, you know? So it's in Kenner style and it's kind of yeah. a Kenner uh gi joe-esque you know so mo- it, yeah it's definitely a good mix, mix and the- you know all the the different uh the, the colors that he's been doing all the uh colorways that he's been doing that are paying homage to you know a lot of a lot of those uh, other properties has been great so yeah that's a good question um you brought up healy made which he's mm-hmm. made beautiful stuff but he typically does mm-hmm. very limited runs where do you fall on that? You know, being a collector plus a maker, you kind of are running both the gambit yeah, on it. Well, and the thing, and I don't know that Healy made does, uh, and I could be completely wrong. I don't think they're completely uh, uh, closed runs. I think they're, they're limited what he releases, but I think he's totally open to right. if there's interest, he'll, you know, he'll bring it back on some level. Like, I don't know that there is a, you know, a two of 20, you know, wrestling star wars figure right, right. Uh, mashup i know they're, they're fantastic <laughs> and again to see you know a full shelf of that stuff yeah. so for me it's it, you know there's some stuff that i kind of leave open edition um like these uh these little robots these mtsr guys like right i did 30 of this blind box and again it was it wasn't about making them exclusive i didn't want to do a limited run of these it was more about can I get away with doing a blind box? Is anybody going to be interested in, in not knowing? I mean, I showed all the colors that were available and they're all uh, like these metallic right, mica right. powders. Um, so I don't know. It, it's always hard to tell. I mean, 
you know, some, some artists and I kind of do it myself is you kind of tease out something on Instagram and see what kind of interest there is. Part of it is kind of laying the groundwork of like, Hey guys, I'm kind of, you know, working in this world right now. And you're kind of planting a flag of, you know, don't, don't tread on this until I, I do it because I've definitely seen that kind of thing happen. And other times it is just, you know, is there interest or are people going to, or want, but yeah. honestly, the, the interest that I get on Instagram, like where, where posts blow up, like, like this thing, you know, and I didn't take long to produce these, but then it didn't equate into sales. You know, I think it is just a lot of instant yeah. hype and like, but yeah, it's, it, it's hard. It's hard to gauge. Um, I mean, I'm totally down. It's like somebody wants a, a toy or a figure, they should absolutely get it. Will I redo uh, a series two of these like this? So, you know, somebody can finish, you know, the collection. There, there's some people that had right, right. eight of these and they weren't able to get the four because I didn't sell them as complete sets. I sold them as singles, right? Right. But I, but I won't, you know, it's just like, it was, it was a time and place thing. And it's like, I can't bring myself to do that yeah. again. Um, yeah. But I mean, I'm always open to, well, no, if something is numbered, it's, it's done for me, you know? Um, and, and I, I, I would hate, and I've seen other people kind of re-release figures and just like, you know, it's series two, but it's, everything is the same. The card is the same. The figure is the same. The, you know, right. I, I don't think, a you know, a new paint application really necessitates or justifies, you know, calling it another run, but I mean, that's, that's up to them. I, I, I mean, I don't typically buy into that. I mean, yeah. if, if, and here's, you know, back to Mark Todd, I missed it when he did a Darth Vader and the Chewbacca I got in, you know, on R2D2s and, and Stormtroopers and Luke Skywalkers. Yeah. So as a completionist, I want those first two. <laughs> so there is conversation. I think that they might bring those two back as, you know, an, uh, a variant, which I'm totally cool, but I, right, I can right. have that complete set. So, you know, I think if, if yeah. enough has, has changed that you're not stepping on somebody else's toes because, you know, collectors are buying it, you know, because there is maybe some inherent value to yeah. it. Like you would hate to see the market flooded with, you know, that thing that was supposed to be 10 is now a hundred. You know, like that, that's painful. Right. And I think you're only shooting yourself. Beanie babies all oh over God. Oh, it's so crazy. I mean, even you, you say that, but like, and I, I fall into that trap with like these new retro figures from Hasbro, right? the retro collection for, for star Wars are just like, I want them in package, but it's like, why there's thousands of these out there, tens yeah. of thousands. But I, I was on Hasbro yeah. pulse just the other day and I made sure to get the full set of six or seven, you know, Mandalorian Kenner style retro figures because they look so right, good, right. you know? Um, yeah. But those ones I, I plan on taking probably most of those out because it's been what 40 years 40 years 50 years since we've had like a new kenner style you know star wars figure right like everything is just right recycled over and over and over again so yeah uh they they did a great job on, on that so hopefully they they do more of that stuff maybe you know listening to the community a little bit more of of what they want and stop you know i think black series has kind of killed itself and some of those other just yeah. like they burned too many too many collectors and you know it shouldn't be about the collectors but you know you on some level you have to respect it because they're the ones that are buying it you know if you burn them right they're yeah. they're gonna you know they're gonna turn their backs on you so 
Yeah, it's kind of a, a two-edged sword. So I was, I got big into collecting around the whole uh, 90s oh. X-Men, 12 different titles, Spawn yeah. McFarlane, you know, and I was still reading. And then it got to the point where I was getting more than I was reading. And, and you know, I, then I kind of turned that into toy collecting more. And then that started happening in the toy world too, where they're, you know, putting out rare random figures and, you know, short shipping certain other figures. And it, it very much turned me into an anti-collector. And now with this new generation that I've been kind of getting back into, I've stayed away from like the He-Mans and the, the only retro I have is Chewbacca because it's Chewbacca and I pretty much have to stay true to, true to something. But I'm sure you're still selective um, with uh, the Chewbacca's that get released. You're just like, absolutely not. That sculpt is is hot garbage. Yeah. Like I'm not buying into that. You know exactly. And and there's there's a couple things I keep in package, but most of it comes right out of the package. Um, but with the with the art toys, I kind of run to that too because like I just got I just randomly found this gal online, and she makes <laughs> their their he-man friends Amazing. you know like but the the packaging is yeah. so beautiful on this that i don't want to take yeah. it out of the packaging you know and so now i have to think of this whole other like where do i hang this stuff where do i you know like i see your chewbacca back there oh, yeah, yeah. behind oh, your yeah, head that guy the, the 15 inch um yeah space warp oh my god yeah. so i have a uh there's there's another figure that's coming out at uh decon in a couple of weeks and I already have the the twelve inch of that ready. I have to paint it up. I have to finish it. But um, I think I'm gonna right. yeah. I'm gonna keep kind of going in that world because I have the digital file now that that I created it. Um, but with, with those baggy figures, and and here's the the thing too. It's I I have an aversion to when somebody does a baggy fi- figure and they do the opening at the bottom. You know where it's like I think part yeah. of part of the whole. You have to commit. You have to make you know, the commitment. Those staples, and you know, yeah. um, I just I, I bought a figure. It was a, a vintage figure from from Spain or Europe, and it had a little header card and it had three staples. One of the staples completely rusted and, and popped out, but I made sure to keep all the pieces. They're in a little bag, and it's like I'll hang. Yeah. But there was another toy maker uh, in in Toronto, Angry Beast, and he was doing one of the shows. And they do, uh, you know, they typically have like a little platform in front of them, a little um, foam core platform. And the figures are out because, you know, it's the best way to look at them. And somebody came up and I don't know what the the character of the figure was. And they're like, yeah, I'll totally grab this. And Angry Beast like, yeah, cool. So he grabs the figure off the shelf and he's behind the table. And, you know, before he knows it, he kind of hands over this header card stapled to a bag. You know, the figure's in there. it's, It's locked in. And the guy's face drops right. and he's just like what am i supposed to do now like i was he was happy with a loose figure but now that it's in a bag it's a whole right, other right. thing it's like do i open this thing yeah. it's like what a freaking weird dilemma yeah. but you know when i see those figures that are in the the zip top bags but the zip top is at the bottom and it's just like i don't know man like you know kind of like this thing it's like yeah. you kind of have to cut the box open to to get in there like there's a right a piece of you know you have to commit I, i've seen some people that have steamed the labels off and like pull the sticker back and i'm like ah you're killing me come on i'm gonna have to like find better adhesive for those <laughs> but you know and i think there's you know there's the you know the glued blister 
Like, you know, I mean, there's no point yeah. in putting an articulated figure in a glued blister, but I've seen people do it. Right. They're just like, yeah. you, you want to take it out? You want to display it? You want to play with it? You know, so the, you know, people do the Velcro tabs. There was, um, now I don't remember the Instagram account, uh, creepy, it's kind of Halloween themed uh, uh, toys and graphics, but he had done a, an original sculpt. It was almost like a Shogun warrior, uh, Grim Reaper. Okay. Absolutely. And I, oh, yeah. I think I remember seeing that. Fantastic. I, I think he only made 20 or 30 of them. Yeah. Uh, again, pretty low run. But he had done the, uh, he had vacuum formed the blister himself, but the blister had tabs on it. So he cut slits into the backer card. So the, the tabs on the blister went in, oh. folded over. He still put a piece of scotch tape or, or masking tape across, right. I, you know, but easy to cut off or, or peel off, pull that blister off. Yeah. So it's like, I, I respect that level of, you know, you still have to commit to, to removing yeah. something, but I don't know. It's, I think it's funny. I think people's expectations, you know, I, I also get comments, um, you know, because all my carded figures come with uh, the little, the little Chad that gets punched out of the card, right? Oh like, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I make sure that those are included. They might fall out, but they'll be in the bag. Um, and some people don't care right. about that shit. Like I'm, I'm, I'm punch cards, punch cards, <laughs> but then others are just like, man, I, I love that. I love that. You know, that that chad is still you know kind of perfectly wedged in there it's like i don't know it's those small details i think that that excite me probably more than what's actually you know what what the toy or the figure right you know somebody feeling the weight of the card or you know the quality of the printing like i I don't do a lot of of xerox um uh, cards or anything like that like I, i send my artwork away to you know print shops that you know use use some good technology and it's like it's not a slight on anybody it's just like that's that's the world that i live in and that's kind of like what i can bring um to to what i do to make it a little bit more unique you know just looking around so what is your uh what are your thoughts on 3d printing figures so i've had that conversation with with somebody as well i have uh three three figures in in the hall of somebody that does um custom little robots he 3d prints them and then he does a little bit of a paint application on it and they, they go into a little bag with a little header card. And I, I knew what I was getting into. I wasn't hundred percent sure if he was only doing 3d printed models or if he was casting or molding right. and casting those. So I'd seen it's, you know, it's all FDM printed and I had the conversation with him about it. And uh, he's just like, I don't know, like, why would I go in and mold and cast? And it's like, that's all this other equipment. And I was just like, I don't know. There's, there's, to me, there's something more special about taking it to that next step, right? Like these guys, yeah. all, all the, all the uh, uh, prototypes for this, yeah, they're all 3D printed because I 3D scanned them. I, I you know, cleaned up the 3D file. Right. And somebody had asked, like, oh, are these all just 3D prints that you painted? And I'm like, no, like I made molds. I, because the, especially for yeah. this, this is all, or the, the prototypes are um, liquid resin or uh, photopolymer resins, right? It's like oh, yeah. that stuff doesn't hold up. Like it doesn't doesn't age well. It's great no. for prototypes. It's great for getting that you know proof of concept kind of done. Right. But like it is fragile and brittle. You can get some better stuff, but it's not quick and it's definitely not cheap. You know, so if you're gonna yeah. go through that trouble, why not? You know, I don't know why not why not do it. It is it is disappointing. I mean, there's. 
you know, the, I think I mentioned, I don't know if it was to you or somebody else, but you know, when I did fan expo, um, last year, you know, the guy that I was sharing the table with all our stuff is resin. It's all, it's all cast resin. He, yeah. he does, uh, this is Darth salesman does all original sculpts and then molds and casts all his stuff, hand paints. And all my stuff was, you know, it was bootlegs and, uh, and kind of kitbash stuff. And everybody that's coming by, you know, somebody would point like, Oh, look, you know, Star Wars figures are like, Oh yeah, 3d printing. I've seen it like, cool, whatever. And it's like, man, like, you don't even know what the process is. Like, you don't even like, not that it's a slight, but it, it is kind yeah. of hurtful that it's just like, you know, 3d printing has gotten to that level of just like, yeah, you got a file, you printed it and you put it in the package. Now you're selling it for, you know, crazy amount of money. And it's just like, if you even understood, even 3D printing itself is has got its own challenges and struggles. But it as as a as an art form, like I don't think people have really tapped into. And it's like doing something really cool and interesting. I mean, yeah, there's some cool projects out there, but it, it doesn't get treated like it's an art form, you know, because I think there's so right. many online sources for these you know, throwaway files, essentially. It's like everybody printed a Yoda bust. Everybody printed, you know, that that generic yeah. thing. And, you know, I absolutely did that for the first few years as well because I couldn't 3D model. I couldn't, you know, design anything in dimensional space. I didn't really, you know, the I think maybe yeah. the first thing that I still use and still use and still cast and make, I had a, uh, I had somebody scan me and I did a little bust of of my head. And I turn them almost into like a little monopoly oh. tokens, right? So it's kind of like a free packing right. now that, you know, once once you buy something and I have some, I'll, I'll throw one in the bag and somebody's like, oh, is that your head? Is that your... So I still use that. It's, you know... But does it have the Slayer No, it doesn't. I, I think I need to update it. I think I need to to do another version of it with the, with the Slayer hat. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally down with, you know, 3D printing, whether it's like that's you're full in hundred percent and, you know, start to finish or use it, you know, kind of along, along the process, you know, I'm seeing, you know, traditional kit bashers and bootleggers more and more people are moving that way, whether what they're doing is, you know, the initial idea and, and concepting and sending it off to somebody to actually, you know, uh, visualize it and bring it to life. Yeah. Again, that's completely like, why should you have to know to do those, those things? Like, you know, for me, the worst yeah. part of, of as long as there's making toys is dealing with the shipping aspect. I hate it. You know, that's, there's nothing creative about it. It's, it's, it's tedious. It, you know, it stresses me out because I always think something's going to arrive damaged or lost. And then I have to charge somebody yeah. extra for like tracking and insurance. So it's like, that's not the fun part. Like, again, if I could outsource that. So now dealing with uh, DK toys out in LA. I can send him a box of, of figures and he deals with the selling, the marketing, the shipping, the, you know, I mean, it's like, it lets, lets toy makers yeah. do it. And realistically oh advertising like, too. I mean, you're, you're tapping into a, a market that, you know, the reach that he has, you know, you, you couldn't match that, yeah. you know, you end up on his table or on his, you know, on his feed when he does his, his live con uh, shows. And it's just like, you could never get that kind of reach or, you know, that kind of promotion. And, yeah. you know, typically I don't, I don't think he really curates, you know, he, he's selective with what yeah. he wants to carry and he'll guide you. And he's definitely been, right, right. you know, probably one of the best people to talk to and like, what do you think of this? And he can kind of see, you know, with, with these figures, I had, I had no idea 
how these would be received. And he's just like, absolutely. Right. Let's do these. Like, how do we, how do we make this happen? Yeah. And, you know, uh, again, selling four figures at once as a bundle is, is a bit of a challenge. And, you know, it's like a, kind of a test to see if people yeah. are willing to drop that kind of money. And they've been doing well, well enough to, you know, do the second set and then call. I would say the nice thing probably about, about the, the maker world of things is that you're typically not selling to kids right. who don't have any money. You're selling to adults who have a little bit of money and maybe it's not as much as they would like to be able to spend, but they still, you know, they can drop $35, $45 on something and it's not going to, you know, ruin their whole uh, allowance for the next three months. You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, but, and, and that's the thing. It comes down to, I mean, I don't think a lot of people understand it because we're, we're, we're still talking about toys but we're talking about people that have, you know, this, this income that they can burn, you know? So it's not hurting them as much as, you know, I'm, I'm not selling this to the 10 and the 12 year old, right? Like there are some young people in, in the, the toy making game as well. Uh, Joshua toys and uh, older as well as Nakusatsu in, in Buffalo. But I mean, you know, I don't think they're selling to their demographic either, right? Like they're, it's the 30, right. the 40, the 50 year old, the, you know, the, right. you know, whether it's the, that figure that has a little bit of nostalgia to them or, you know, somebody that just wants something a little bit different that has never been into maybe X-Men toys, but all of a sudden here's, you know, a, a unique thing or a spoof on something that makes you laugh. And it's just like, all right, all of a sudden, right. I, I dig, you know, you know, this, this thing. So yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, but yeah, back to pricing. It's, uh, it's the biggest challenge. I think, you know, like I said, I don't, I definitely don't make money and I'd be lose money on everything. Everything I sell, I probably lose money. You know, once I consider all the, the materials, the supplies, the equipment, I don't think I've gotten to that point yet where it's just like, yeah, man, like this is just gravy. Like, you know, just crank out another 10 of these and that's, yeah. that's, you know, money in my pocket, but you know, doing them in bulk again, like I, I said, kind of, kind of helps and, you know, dealing with, with somebody that is, is willing to, to market, advertise, sell, ship, you know, like that's time that I don't have to do that. You know, even though there's that, that cut yeah. that they're taking, you're, you're paying them essentially to do that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's worth it to me. You know, if I had to ship 80 figures, you know, I have to deal with the returns. I have to deal with the, you know, the complaints or I have to deal with, yeah. you know, late deliveries or, or damage, like any of that stuff. And just like, yeah, it's not worth it to me. I'd rather pay somebody to do that. And, yeah. you know, he's, he's definitely the right person that, to handle that stuff because he, he's really passionate about it and takes it, you know, seriously. So that kind of worked out. When I was stuck in that collector world, I started doing eBay afterwards to get, you know, just to sell off some stuff. And that was the same exact problem I would run into is like, you know, I just don't feel like putting out 200, you know, 200 packages of something. I, you know, I'd rather have some way to just, and so I ended up selling all the stuff for pennies on the dollar for what I paid for it, but I was, I was done with it emotionally. Yeah. yeah. I was just emotionally done. You sold it it as a lot sale kind of thing. And just like all of this stuff. Yeah. Take it. I know I'd be the same. I've, uh, my, my girlfriend said, it's like, you know, sell on eBay. She's kind of started in the past year of selling some things. I was just like, I don't know, man. Like, 
I got to take a picture of it. And, I, and knowing me, I'm going to want to take a really good picture of it, you know, multiple angles. Right. And now I'm going to like be retouching these things. And <laughs> like, I think eBay in itself, and I buy probably have bought more on eBay in the last, you know, few months than I ever have. It just, it, it is hurting yeah. so much because of the shipping costs and just killing everybody. And, you know, there's very yeah. few things that I want to commit to because the shipping costs usually, you know, is, is, you know, 50% of, or, you know, more of what the, the item value is. And I'm just like, I can't do this. Like, but yeah. Well, if you guys would open your borders and let us yeah, people back in the country, I know it, it, it's gotten crazy. I mean, even just in the <laughs> shipping times, but yeah, just the hassle of, of having to list all that stuff. So I've, I've considered kind of the same thing. I'm thinking about those robots that we were talking about, you know, before the call is, you know, at some point yeah. it's going to become, okay, well, enough is enough. And am I going to piecemeal this out? Or, you know, here's a whole lot of wind up robots who's interested. And yeah, probably. And I don't keep track. And I don't know if you're like this, but I don't keep track of what I paid for stuff either. So I have no idea of, no. am I making money off this or am I, you know, right eating it like and i feel like i'm probably going to be eating it so yeah whatever it's well and then you have to spend you know a good three or four days just to see where the yeah. market's at on something because the scalping market has just gotten ridiculous yeah. out there um and it's i mean that's another way of making money you know i i don't love it personally because it's stuff that i would like to buy also and it's too expensive but yeah, just to figure out what something's actually worth as opposed to what, you know. Yeah. Well, I do like the eBay tool of, of seeing what things have sold for, right? Like, I think that's always been my barometer right. of if I find something in a listing and yeah. it's like, oh, that seems crazy. Let me see if something similar or that exact item has, what is it sold right, for? Right. And, you know, sometimes they're kind of on par. It's like sometimes you allow for some market fluctuation and sometimes it's just like yeah. nope that thing is completely overpriced so i'll just i'll save that thing as a as a search you know and hopefully it'll, it'll yeah. pop up again um but yeah it's that's how i get my my 80 dollar uh chewbacca my uh um Japanese oh, what does chewbacca. it look like <laughs> so, yeah. this better be special so it's oh, yeah. It's a yeah. <laughs> the Takara Chewbacca, so it's it's basically Safubi, but it's before Kenner oh, had the okay, license. Okay, so they could make whatever they made, and they made several. They made like I think yeah. five different figures. Well, that must be of the same, um, the same uh, generation, the same run of the the wind up R two D two, the little walking. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Oh man, again, mm -hmm. that's kind of on the the list of things that I would love love to grab. But yeah, I've never I've never seen that figure. That's great. So in the package, they're mm -hmm. like twelve hundred dollars. And you could find them loose, complete for oh, maybe geez. around five hundred. And then I found this one, I got it for eighty-eight, and it was just like yes, yeah. bye, 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 bye. Um, because it's kind of like the, it's been my yeah. holy grail for a while. And uh I just used the the um, bandolier and the bowcaster are just oh, from yeah, another yeah, figure. That's the thing, like, but it it's I mean scale wise, it's it you know it, it works right with them. You know, it's and it's not that much different from what his that's stuff fantastic. was. I'll have to look up this this line. Like, I don't think I've seen the other figures in that that line. I've definitely never seen the Chewbacca. Well, the 
the R2D2 was yeah. that wind up one. There's a Darth Vader, a Stormtrooper, I think a C3PO, okay. and I think that's it. They didn't do any of the heroes yeah, yeah, yeah. other than Chewbacca. And I think. And then Kenner took over and stuff. Kenner did their line. Yeah, I'd be good with that. Again, and, and you know, you raise a good point there too. And it's like, I think a lot of the stuff that I buy, because I'm always looking for, you know, that thing that's on my wish list, but it's outside my price range. But if it doesn't come with a weapon or the accessories, like you usually can get a good deal or, you know, a broken arm or, you know, right. something. And it's just like, right. yeah. My 12 inch Chewbacca had both arms were broken and I, and I'm completely <laughs> I fixed okay the arms if, if the price is right. And it's like, I will salvage yeah. that. And it's like, sometimes I just, I'd rather have it, you know, it's the, um, the red wolf, uh, Palatoys, you know, um, you know, again, it's, it's oh, like a hundred dollar yeah. figure, you know, Canadian or 80, $90. But it's like, if I can find a slightly damaged one, like I'm, I'm good with that. You know, if it's half the price or, you know, a fraction uh the knickerbocker uh lord of the rings uh nazgul i mean i've been waiting for that oh, okay. for, and it's been in my search but it's like if you find it with you know the the cape and the the sword and i think he's got a belt you know you're, again you're talking a thousand dollars but you know if i just found i found a, a regular figure and it cost me i think 150 dollars just for the figure it had you know they said the the arms yeah. had been glued but really it was just the paint had seized up they're just like a little bit of a twist and it's just oh, like, okay. I'm happy with this. Like I don't yeah. need, I don't need yeah. a mint in package. I don't need all the accessories because you could also no. eventually find that stuff or, you know, like what you did, just substitute yeah. something else that just like my, my mind isn't what the bandolier was on the original one. It's, it's the figure itself. Right. right. So no, I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been fun. Uh, and realistically, I think, I mean, like, like this, there's no shortage of what's the next thing. And it's just like, okay, well, what, what is the thing that I, I've been working on the longest? And, and granted, you know, the, the robots, these guys, you know, I, by the time I started showing them, uh, I think on Instagram and when they were released, it was maybe, a, a, I hope it was a couple of months or a few months. But I think realistically, it was probably a year ago that it was, you know, last Christmas or something like that. And it's like, you know, sitting at a table, I'm like, yeah, okay, well, let me see if I can, you know, my, my 3D modeling skills are good enough that I can recreate this thing and fix the things about it that I didn't like about the original figure, which is the part that oh, I like okay, yeah. because the original figure, uh, it didn't have uh, articulated legs, you know, so is this uh, right. Galaxy Laser Team figure. I didn't like some of the proportions of it. So, it, you know, it gives you this this opportunity now to not only create a, you know, a, a pegged articulation, but you know, there's, there's magnets in there too. So there, there's no risk of, you know, the legs falling off, but you know, doing something unique, you know, being able to, and you probably can't read that on the back, but you know, being able to put Magoob toys, you know, 2020 on the back, yeah. like again, starting to put my stamp on things like, so. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Well, man, Jamie, this has been a great interview. I, um, I didn't really know you at all other than just, you know, the work you made and uh, it's been good. It's been, uh, it's good. Some view from the East coast and see what's going on over there. And uh, um, well, yeah, thank yeah, you very it's much. Been really good. You know, maybe you come out to a fan expo or I, I see uh, one of the other conventions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. man. It's been good. All right. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for watching Tesla. Bye.